Welcome to the Guilty Pleasures podcast, the podcast where we sit down and chat to influential people about their quirky traits and questionable habits. Forget what you think you know, we're about to get into the nitty gritty of what makes people tick. Whether it's a secret Jedward obsession or putting milk into your tea first, get strapped in lads, we're about to find out. We're your hosts, I'm Maxine and I'm Katie. So this week's guest is broadcaster, presenter, journalist, mental health advocate and author of Broken Love and Little Pocket of Love, Megan Scully. Megan, you're so welcome to the podcast. Oh, girls, thank you so much for having me. Like, it's such a pleasure to be here and to chat to you. And yeah, I'm actually really excited just to, you know, get into it and have the crack. Oh, great. Well, thank you for coming on. So like our intro there, you know, you're super talented. You have your fingers in so many pies. You know, you're, I've named about 10 titles there for you. How did you get into it all? Yeah, so I suppose, um, I'm trying to think back. I, a lot of people like ask me is how did I get into working in the media industry? But um, I think growing up in, like, I can't sing and I think I can dance, but then I see videos of myself dancing. And I'm like, oh no, don't let me dance. Um, and I don't play many instruments. I, I grew up like in a sporty kind of household. Um, so then I always noticed so in school, I was always like, I was actually like, making I had girl bands in national school and I'm like everyone's in my girl band not realizing the time that I actually couldn't sing I thought I could sing so it was great so I had this I think I always had that kind of kind of maybe like um confidence to be kind of I suppose entertaining if that makes sense and mm-hmm. I was always like like if there was a never an app like something happening in school like a, a stage performance I would always sign up for it and when it became to like I think one time first time I remember speaking in front of a big crowd I think it was in third class and there was a school play happening and the teacher got me to be the MC. so I was like oh that's pretty cool so I was the MC for the whole thing so I remember thinking oh like I actually kind of enjoyed addressing the crowd and that was a very young age and um, my communion actually I was the main speaker and then at my confirmation as well but it was really I suppose when I was in fifth class and um, it sounds this sounds like such a little Irish upbringing but I my <laughs> national school was right beside the local church in Ardrahan and when you were um, in the national school right beside the church, you had to serve mass during the week. So we all did it and it was like, fine. And then one day, Father Kyo, who was uh, the parish priest at the time, he was like, do you know what, Megan, I might get you to read midweek, like during midweek mass. So I was like, okay, he goes, when you're serving, you can read. So I read one of the days and after the first day, he was like, that's it you're going to read on Saturdays and Sundays, which obviously is like um, a huge honor because it's like <laughs> the, big, the big mass with the big crowd. So I started reading it like Sunday mass when I was 11 or 12 years old. And I remember the time my granny was so nervous because she was like, you know, this is like, you know, this is huge. And I was like, don't embarrass me. <laughs> yeah. so I, used to pra- I used to practice my reading with my granny because I was like, if I say a word oh. wrong, I'll be like, almost you know shunned from me yeah I was like, they're yeah so I remember learning all these like obviously huge words because in, in the bible in the readings the, the words were obviously you know I remember a letter from St. Paul to the Ephesians and I think there is where maybe I honed how to public speak because you know it was a huge crowd and it's a really tough crowd as well and mm. I remember like grannies and granddads being like great reading today now well done and I kind of like I was like oh I can do this so yeah from then on I was always involved in public speaking and secondary school I was on public speaking teams I was always kind of when it came to reading out like passages in, in any class teachers always picked me because I think I always maybe just from reading at mass I think I was a good reader so they they liked me to read out passages and yeah from there it developed and I just kind of realized okay entertaining and communicating is something that I'm good at and yeah, so then I was involved in, I went into a radio station when I was 15, I remember to talk about a, a charity event we were running. And I re- remember walking out saying to my mum, I was like, 
I don't know what that is, but I kind of want to do that. And she was like, okay, media studies. So that was it. And media studies then was the, what I wanted to do and went on to the University of Limerick, studied in Oileogs Manura, Irish and New Media, and then did a master's in journalism. And yeah, that's how I might, that's how the education anyways went. But yeah, I think I always have to thank Father Q for putting me up on the altar <laughs> all those years ago. All started with serving mass. It's the most yeah. Irish thing. Ever. You know, it's funny. There's Absolutely. so many entertainers that say that. I think Tommy Tiernan as well. He said he started off like saying bits of mass and being an altar boy. And he said he got the bug. He got the, the showbiz bug of yeah. entertaining. You kind of do. It's like you're, cause you're, front of the, you're on a stage, obviously the altar. So you're yeah. up on a height and you're speaking to this crowd. And you, you kind of, you can tell if they're engaged or not. And it, you know, they honestly, like the grannies and granddads are the toughest audience. So I think when you crack them, you're like, I can do this. <laughs> did you ever give it a bit of bit of pizzazz or anything? Or did you give it a bit of drama? Like you're like St. Paul to the Corinthians. Do you know, like put a bit of oomph I into it I, or anything? Yeah, well, I, I got, after a while, like Granny'd kind of start comparing me to like the other readers. And they were like, like a lot of people say like, you know, some readers just, just read their lines. Whereas I think I kind of delivered it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Christmas mass was always a bit more fun that you could kind of have a bit more... I suppose, charisma and as well Easter because they were like the big ones. But uh, yeah, it's funny. I sound like I'm like the most devoted Catholic ever, but it was just kind of, I suppose, where I got the 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 grow for it. And even now, like when it comes to public speaking, I always think, uh, you know, back to those days. And I suppose it's where I, I learned how to address a crowd. And it's kind of, I suppose, built the confidence for doing that now, like when I look back. But yeah, I suppose you could kind of slightly put a bit of yourself into it, but you also have to be careful too because you're kind of delivering someone else's message so you had to make sure you got it right so yeah it was it was um I, I suppose I couldn't my own personality couldn't really shine but I think maybe from then because I got the confidence when it came to school and school plays and you know public speaking in school then I could really like put my own personality into it and put my own stamp on it yeah it seems like you're really on a straight straight narrow for media and you know speaking to people and entertaining people um but then also you went from audio and visual and and and, and speaking to written and um, by writing your first book broken love so that must have been for for anyone that's ever written a book myself included and katie included as well we have never written a novel or anything um even near it <laughs> it seems like an absolute mountain of work and a bit of a labyrinth to try and navigate so what's the process for it really yeah I, it's funny i actually had this conversation the other day with someone we were talking about um, he was similar age to me and we both have published books now. We're saying it's kind of like, I don't know, but when I was, I suppose, growing up and even kind of still, I always assume authors are older people or it's an older generation that write books. So I suppose for me to write a book when I was, uh, I guess I really kind of started writing the book when I was 15. Um, uh, for those who maybe aren't aware, Broken Love is my journey through loss and grief. And um, I lost my brother when I was 15 and he was 18. I lost my dad when I was 16. So the book is basically my diaries from those those years and documents uh, the grief and the loss and the pain and the suffering, but also how I got through it and how I you know, learned to live and move on with my life. And I guess go from the lowest point of my life to being able to pick myself back up and move on. And um, I think for me, it was in 2018, I published Broken Love um, and it so I said I, I was from my diary. So what happened was when I met my publisher, um, Book of Publishing, I had to read back through all these diaries so many years later. And it was, it was I suppose in a way it was a, a journey in itself because I had to read pages that were very dark and very sad and very lonely. And I had to relive some hugely traumatic experiences to put them down into a pen and paper. So the, the copies, obviously the diaries were handwritten and then the book is typed up. So I had to type up like all these diaries and it was a really... Um, I suppose it was a really 
therapeutic process, but it was also really eye-opening because I think I forgot how sad I was. And then when I read the pages, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how far I've come. So I think that really made me realize that we can all go through tough times and hard times, but we can all get through it. We just have to have a little bit of hope. So yeah, writing the, writing the book and putting it together, I actually managed to put it all together in January of 2018. I'll never forget the month. I think it rained every single day. <laughs> and at the time I was presenting a breakfast radio show. So I'd finished work like maybe 11 or 12 in the day. And I'd come home to my apartment in Limerick that I'm in still in now. And um, my housemates would be working regular hours. They wouldn't come home until five or six. So while I had that time, I would sit down at the kitchen table and I would just type, type, type. So in the full month of January, I put all the diaries into a document and then started the process, which yeah, it was just, I think sometimes I still kind of forget that I wrote a book and that I'm about to write a second or publish a second book. Um, and the experience was really, as I said, therapeutic and it was um, nerve wracking to putting a book into the world, especially something that's about a personal experience because you're showing your vulnerable side to so many people and you're letting people in, like letting someone read your diary is like, you know, when you're yeah, growing up, yeah. if someone looked into your diary, you'd be like, get out, stay away. <laughs> so I was, I published my diary for anyone, anywhere to read and see. So yeah, it's just been, I suppose it's, how did I do it? Yeah, I just had to put the head down because the great thing I suppose when writing and publishing a book is you have a deadline, like an assignment in college or writing a thesis, like you have a deadline, so you just have to get it done. And I think that's how I did it. And as I said, January, loads of rain um, and just use the weather to my advantage to complete it. And that's, that's kind of how it happened. But yeah, I suppose at the time I had to be very, very structured. And I think at the time too, I was mainly just presenting the breakfast show. Whereas now for the second book, it was a lot harder because I've taken on quite a few different jobs so I kind of worked like seven days a week so yeah, now yeah. it's definitely a lot harder to to finish a book okay and I suppose that brings us to our first guilty pleasures question in a way um and that is do you have any uh quirky rituals uh, that you do when you're working for example especially now that you're so busy as you said seven days a week do you have any rituals that you do maybe before you go on air um for radio or for the Limerick Post or even when you're writing I definitely talk to myself a lot. <laughs> I've noticed. Um, I do have um, in my bathroom, I have a vision board up on my huge vision board. Actually, I didn't, I think at this time, I didn't mean to be so large, but I have a vision board and it does have like career in it. And I do read out, I put it into bullet points and I do read it out to myself every morning. And um, it's, it's funny, I, I know I'm bringing this back to, to church again, but um, during the um, initial lockdown, someone sent an anonymous person sent this little prayer to the Limerick Post for me, but I believe it was sent to quite a few um, media people around Limerick at the same time because I saw someone from Live 95. I I, yeah, I think I remember that actually. Yeah, remember, I think Leaf yeah. got it or something. Yeah, Leaf got it too. Yeah, so it's like, oh, read this three times. It's like, oh, please help me and guide me. And you say it three times. So I actually kind of put that up on the wall too because it was like a kind of a nice one, just help me and guide me. So every morning, I suppose, when I'm brushing my teeth or like getting ready and putting my like do my skincare routine. I have the mood boards and I have that little saying and I kind of just say the two of them. Um, so I suppose there are two things that I do. Um, I, I suppose I, I, I didn't really think it was a ritual, but now that you say it, it probably is. So that's definitely like part of my, my routine now. And I do find um, a bit of comfort, I think maybe, especially yeah. the mood board because the mood board does help because it's like, it reminds me every day of my goals and what I want and what I'm trying to achieve and where I'm trying to go. And I have found since I put the vision board up that, strangely it's helped and things have started to happen and I'm like oh my god how did this happen and it's like it's because it's on the vision board and you're saying it every day so now I'm starting to really believe the process as well which is it's kind of fascinating and interesting and I'm because I think I believe in it it's happening yeah that makes sense 
I suppose it focuses you every day as well in a way. Would you believe in like the law of attraction? Is that something you subscribe to, you know, that kind of? Yeah. So I remember back in uh, 2012, I lived, um, I'd finished my master's in Galway and it was the summer of 2012. And um, the girls and I, I met these new bunch of girls in NUIG. Like, as I said, didn't know them at all. I think we did a fashion show together and they were like, um, they weren't from Galway. They were all from like other counties and I was from Galway. I, I was from the countryside and they're like, we're going to rent an apartment in Galway city for the summer. Um, do you want to move in with us? And I didn't really know the girls at all. And I went, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and I was going through a really tough time, like mentally and emotionally. And it, that's kind of 2012 is probably one of my worst years, in, like in, in that sense. And um. I remember one day, like the girls all had part-time jobs and every single day, the two, they fight four, there's five of us. Yeah. So four of them every day would go off to their part-time jobs. And I did that whole summer. I didn't work. I just thought I'm going to take the summer off because I really need to like focus on myself. I need to do reading. I need to do writing. I need to like learn how to kind of get through this really like rough and tough time. And one of the girls, one day, I'll never forget. She was running out to work and she handed me the secret and she was like, read this book and see what you think. And obviously then I learned about the law of attraction and I read the book and I just thought, oh my God, this is like kind of in a way life-changing. So I do kind of practice, I do practice the law of attraction and um, trying to have that like positive outlook as much as I can. Some days I can't, some days I'm just in a negative mindset and I find it really hard to, to believe it. But I do feel that the law of attraction does happen because I think the days that you're like in a negative mindset, negative things do happen. So I'm a real firm believer in, in that. So when that starts to happen to me now, I do try stop myself like, okay, let's start the day again. And we're going to start in a positive note. And I try then to turn the day around because I am, I'm a firm believer in all of that stuff. I'm very connected to, I think the universe and the stars and the sun and the moon. And I'm yeah, that all that stuff is right up my street. Okay. So would you be mad into the horoscopes then as well and stuff like that? Yes, I'm a scorpion and I feel like I'm a, and not that there's a sting in my tail, but I'm definitely like, I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of the scorpion traits I feel like I have, and I do believe in horoscopes. I'm signed up to astrology.com. So I get my email every morning and I love it. And I'm also, I don't know if you have the app, The Pattern. Have you heard of The Pattern? No. <laughs> oh, so my friend only told me about this recently. So you sign up to it, you put in your date of birth, you put in the time you're born, you put in like all that information and every day it sends you like, the, the pattern of your life. And I'll have to say, sometimes I'm freaked out because I'm like, this is way too accurate. Um, and <laughs> it is, it's really interesting. So yeah, I love all that stuff. And I just, I do believe that the time and day and date and everything you were born really has a huge significance on your life. And I, I'm a firm believer in all of that. How did you get into kind of believing in that? Was it to do with, you know, uh, the secret, I suppose, and, and subscribing to the, the idea of, I can't think of it anymore. Um, but yeah, I suppose positive um, affirmations and love so attraction. on. Law of attraction. I don't know. I just I had a complete brain block there. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> I think my I think so. My mom is one of eleven, and she is third in the family. And she's uh, there's nine girls and two boys. And it's um, they would have grown. Mom would have grown up in a like real Irish farm, rural Ireland. You know, I said loads of kids. And um, it's funny because I think you know. Mum then is, there's something different about my mum compared to the rest of maybe her siblings. Like mum has always been a bit more earthy and a bit more in tune with things and a bit more like, I think mum's always been into that kind of horoscope kind of lifestyle. And, and when we, my parents separated when I was three, kind of three-ish around that time. And my brother was, um, but we're about three and five, kind of that age group. And it's, we were born in Dublin and then we 
mum was like, what, like, you know, she was separating, she didn't know what to do. And she didn't want to stay living in Dublin, but my parents were originally both from Galway. So she didn't want to move home, home, like just yet. Cause she was kind of like, I suppose, going through a huge transition in her life, two very young kids. Um, so a friend lived in Spiddle in Connemara and said, come out here. So I said, okay. And Spiddle, like we moved there in 95 and it was by the beach. It was completely Irish. Like nobody, we spoke English. We hadn't a word of Irish and we were completely accepted by this community. And I, I remember out there, like mum having, I suppose, um, like the, like friends like that, they were big into horoscopes and they had this real natural way of living and were like vegetarian and mm-hmm. vegan. You never heard of that like before then. And we're into like all this like real quirky, cool stuff. And I remember thinking like, I remember one time, I'll never forget my mum picked me up from school and she was wearing like what, like at the time what I probably would have called like a hippie dress. And I remember she'd come in and I was like, why are you dressed like a hippie? And mum was like, what? And then she, I was like, where are you, like floral dress, where are you go with floral dress? And then she was like, what are you on about? And I just like, no, like mum was always a bit more of a free spirit then. And I just loved that kind of about her. And then I very much so took after mum. So I think she brought us up in that kind of, like that lifestyle to kind of, you know, like live like, like, I suppose, I don't know what the right term is really, but she just was so in tune and connected with this, the like everything beyond life and spirit and, and you know, the sun, the moon, the stars. And I think she just brought me up like that too. And mum and I would, um, there's a lot of books we've both, like she'd like read this book and vice versa. And I think we're, mum and I are very in tune. So my mum's Cancerian. So she'd be very like affected by the full moon. And she's like, I have such a headache. She goes, I bet you it's full moon. And then she's like, oh, it's full moon. So I think <laughs> I'm like that too. I'm like, it's full moon. I know, I feel like I know when it's like, or if it's retrograde, I'm like, oh my God, it's retrograde. And <laughs> Yeah, so we're very, I think we're very much so in sync in that sense. And um, we love all that stuff. And I think that our family, like mom's siblings and my granny are probably like, oh God, here they go again. <laughs> that kind of way. Yeah. But, yeah. So I think it's been with me from a very young age and um, being very connected to, I suppose, the world and spirit life and all that. So, okay. yeah. And I just, I've, I just always have believed it. And do you believe in like a spirit life? Would you be more, you know, interested in maybe folklore? Would it be more kind of not the supernatural, but I suppose spirituality? Absolutely. So um, I think I was, this might sound a bit like crazy to say, but I think I was maybe 11 when I saw my first like spirit, as they say. So I suppose I've always been very much connected and I'll never forget, I was in my room at home in Ardrahan and I just woke up in the middle of the night and I looked and I saw my friend, like my really good friend's granddad who passed away and he was like standing in the corner of my bedroom. And I was like, oh my God, what's he doing here? And I like, pulled the blanket over and I was like, okay, why is he here? And what's, what's going on? And I remember being really kind of like, like wide awake being like, right, this, what's he doing in my bedroom? Why is he here? And what's, what's, what's this mean? And I knew he was dead. So I ran into mom like, cause I, do you know when you're like, you know, you're, you know where your bedroom is without opening your eyes. So I remember like yeah. running out of my room and finding the handle and like running into mom. And I was like, mom. And I woke her up in the middle of the night. She's like, what? And I, was like, and I said his name. And I was like, he's in my room. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, he's standing in the corner. And she goes, you're okay. Don't worry. Come sleep. And fell asleep with her. Then the next morning, she's like, oh, do you want to tell me what you saw? And I was like, yeah. So I told her. And she goes, yeah, that's totally fine. So I went over and I told granny. And granny was like, oh, you know what that means? And I was like, no and then she's like you need to pray for him and I'm what do you mean she's like well if you see something someone you need it means you need to pray for them so no do me a favor now and pray for him and I went oh okay so I think after that moment I was initially scared when I saw him but after that then I was like okay he just needs me to pray for him and it'll be fine yeah so since then like I've definitely had like quite a few encounters or experiences throughout my life and it's funny because sometimes you say to people and they're like sorry what no like that that doesn't exist and I'm like well 
doesn't exist because my theory you is too, that- you hear too many stories for it not to though like I even my own friends like I that have had run-ins like that and it'll be maybe an old family member like a grandparent yeah. or something that they see in the room and and I think a lot of them have the same kind of reaction where they're fr- scared at first and um, mm. by the side but then afterwards it's kind of comforting nearly to them or something yeah and I think society is trying to has tried to tell us for years that we can't see people and we can't see spirits but like there's always these like um stories of babies and how babies are always looking at someone else in a room and it's like because they can see because they're not i feel like children and who are basically before i suppose toddler age when they start to kind of talk and walk i feel like they are not conditioned to not see it so they are very much so alive to an wait like for example when my brother died um, I was 15, he was 18, and one of my little cousins was about two and a half at the time. She was a small toddler. And uh, I was actually talking about this recently to one of my aunties, not, not her mother, but a different auntie. And then she was saying, she was like, she remembers that night when the crash happened and Marcus was in hospital for a few hours for, for like surgery um, before he died. And she said she remembers her that night because she was obviously, she would have been in bed at like what, eight or o'clock or whatever time toddlers go to bed at and she said she sat up for the whole night with everyone now the family were awake up and like Marcus we got the we got told at 2am that Marcus had died and she stayed up with all the family and they said she sat in silence and she knew what was going on and I'll never forget the next day she was in the home house and she just sat on everyone's lap anyone that was like sitting she's sitting in their lap and she's like sat in silence and like she wasn't a quiet toddler but she knew what was happening and one of the nights after not long after marcus had passed away she was like roaring laughing in her sleep and then when she woke up the next morning my auntie was like oh you were asleep you're laughing last night what was wrong or who was there? and she goes marcus was tickling me marcus being my brother who yeah. passed away she like, he was tickling me and playing with me and he was making me laugh. So I'm totally like, yeah, that totally happened. So I think it's actually now as a family, as a whole, we've all really, since Mark has passed away, everyone now is very much so in tune and connecting to the afterlife. And I definitely believe in it. And I really like, I'm very much open to like seeing things and hear, like I, that doesn't scare me anymore. And if I see or feel like I see, so if I feel like someone is here and needs you know, I'll, I'll let them know that, you know, they're safe. Or if yeah. I think that I maybe need to say a prayer for them, I'll do that. And I'm definitely like connected to all that stuff. Some of my friends think it's mad, but other friends then are like, no, that's your thing. We understand it. That's fine. And if I walk into a, sometimes I walk into a building, I'll, I'll know, I'll get it like a sense of like, oh yeah, there's like, there's like energy here. And then my friends are like, oh, okay, don't tell us who you see. And we don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> do you, would you ever go to like a medium or something? Like that. Yeah, I've been to a few. Yeah, I had a really good friend who sadly passed away now. She um, Initially, I met Heidi and she, I suppose, she'd call herself like an angel healer or a messenger. And I went to see her a couple of years ago. Um, she ended up, then we ended up becoming really good friends because we, she published a book with the same publisher. And so we would have been like hanging out a lot. So then it came to a stage where I'd say to her, like, oh, and I, I said to her, I was like, I feel like I'm really connected. And she was like, she was like, you are. She's like, if you really want to tune into it, you probably could. She's like, you definitely have... Um, kind of clairvoyant I suppose not powers but yeah so she was like if you wanted to tune into you probably could and I actually have a cousin who is uh, now uh, a medium and he's like had to quit his full-time job because he's like it's it's I like so many people need my help and so now the fact that I have a family member that's doing that as a full-time like actual job I'm like you know I could like I definitely am like yeah that's totally cool and I could totally uh, relate to that but 
Yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, I definitely like believe in all that. And I've been to the mediums and I think, you know, if they can help you, they, they can. And once you like are like connected and open to it, I think, you know, like it offered us really great healing, especially after Marcus and dad, like my mom and I were in obviously naturally in really bad place and needed mm-hmm. some sort of help. And it's definitely really helped us. And the, like, I think believing in it and knowing that like Marcus and dad are with us, but we obviously just physically can't see them. We, but we know that they're there and that definitely gets us through every day. And it's funny, um, Jersey day, you know, when the kids were all their favorite jerseys to school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My goddaughter never met my brother. Cause she's, she was born years after he died. Um, but all the kids, all the cousins have grown up knowing him. Like they all know who he is. They know everything about him. Like oh. they all know their cousin Marcus, but, um, she wore his, she has all his like man United jerseys now that are all like vintage. So she wore his Jersey to Jersey day. And, um, my aunt was obviously taking photos of her and send them to all the WhatsApp groups. So she put it into the family WhatsApp group, which is all the sisters, my aunts and, uh, and the uncles. And then she was like, Oh, you know, Ashing's wearing Marcus's or does anyone recognize the Jersey? And everyone said, Oh, that's Marcus's Jersey. And they knew it. And then another aunt checks in straight away going, um, sorry, angels by Robbie Williams was Marcus's funeral song. And she texts going, angels is on the radio right now. She goes, you literally text that message and it came on. So my family would all be, would all see that as a sign. So we're like, Oh, wonder what message he's trying to send us so we're very much so all into that so yeah we all believe in it but all my phone some of my family i'd go to medium my mum would but my aunties wouldn't they'd be kind of afraid to go but they love hearing what we say so if i used to go to medium they're like what happened and i'm like you should go I'm like no no i won't go but just tell me slipping <laughs> <laughs> yeah. vicariously yeah and when you've gone to medium, like i suppose how how far or how much can they can they tell you like how much, you know, can they tell you stuff about you? Can they tell you what's going to happen or, you know, what can you get from, from a medium? So when I first went to Heidi, that was probably back in the 2012, my really, really bad year. So I had um, finished the Irish and new media degree from UL. I'd finished the master's in journalism from Galway. And as I mentioned, always wanted to work in the media industry, but 2012, I hit rock bottom. And to be honest, I, I genuinely was like, I'll never be able to like physically work. Cause I was like, I was so mentally unwell and I remember I moved home and I was like I'll probably just end up having to stay home for the rest of my life and I won't be able to get a job and I'll, I'll probably just have to go on the dole because I'm I'm mentally just felt like and physically just could not work so I was like oh I kind of felt really bad it's like I spent five years now studying to work in media and I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm it's never gonna happen so I re- remember at that time going to see Heidi and I was like yeah I just like I'm, I'm probably I, I can't like work and she was like no 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 she was like um I, I kind of see you like abroad and I was like no I was like I can't leave Galway I said I'm never gonna be abroad <laughs> she's like I just see this like building full of glass she goes just loads of glass and I was like all right okay yeah grand and that was like 2012 and I was like okay don't really know what she's talking about and then in 2013 in March 2013 I moved to London started a job with MTV and I walked down Camden Street turned the corner and there in front of me the MTV building full of glass this huge glass building and I remember thinking Oh my God, Heidi. Wow. <laughs> like fulfilling a prophecy or something. Absolutely. That's, That's mad. mad. That's actually That's mad. Yeah. yeah. You met on another note though, but you, you mentioned MTV there. Mm-hmm. So would you say, I don't know, TV or radio or what, what would be your biggest passion? I have to say I love live TV. Um, since I've been on the Today Show, Dahi and Mora and, and Sinead down in Cork the last last season, my first season, now my second season, 
and I just love it. The like studio lights, the like when the red light goes on the camera and I know like I know that I'm live on my television. I know that my family are all watching and it's really like, you know, that all these people are tuned in from all over Ireland. It's like, it's just like I come alive. Radio is the same. I do. I adore radio because obviously with radio, you, you don't really have to, you can be in, you can be in a tracksuit and you can, I can have no makeup on. I can have my hair like whatever way, but TV, you have to be dressed. You have to have your makeup, you have to do your hair and you know, it's just, just glamour love- around it, isn't there? Yeah, and I but I and I get such a kick off it because I'm I'm a real like slippers and cozy house coat fluffy kind of person, and I think oh, only for TV I wouldn't be getting dressed up, especially at the moment during COVID and everything that's happening. And I just I love it, and I I'd love to be on TV every day if I could, um, and hopefully that's kind of the goal. Um, but at the moment I love everything. I love doing TV, online radio, and print. I just it's it's a really good fun place, and I get to every day is different for me. But yeah, the the TV is definitely. I, yeah tv is my favorite and uh, do you have any like rituals or habits before you go on live live on tv or radio then for example do you for ever me, get nervous especially um no what i i, I suppose research and i all like it's always about pre- preparation like once you're prepared you'll be fine so for me it's bullet points i write everything on on pieces of paper in, in bullet point form because i find if i just have the, like one word and it kind of will help me go so that's kind of what i do and we're lucky on on rt that we have the little um cue cards so you can kind of i just throw down the bullet points and then if i know the camera's not on me because like the red light <laughs> quick glance and i'm like okay i'm good to go so i suppose yeah once i have the little piece of paper with bullet points the same radio all the bullet points are in front of me when i'm when i'm going once i see the word i can i'm good to go but yeah i suppose they're probably my main my main rituals and then just um yeah, the, the, I think like the pen and paper. I'm a real pen and paper person. I'm much more so than like having things like... Yeah, same, I just, same. Yeah. It's, you remember it better or something when you write it down. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just like a brain to hand connection or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's completely That's what I feel too. Yeah, I really like once I... Like I've, around me right now, if you could see there's pa- paper and pen everywhere and there's like, there's always something close to hand to like to just scribble down. Yeah. And... I suppose you said that you enjoy radio and TV both and that you have the same kind of rituals for both. But um, as a radio head, I'm assuming you're exposed to a lot of different music. Do you have any genre of music that would be your kind of your guilty pleasure? People wouldn't really know that you're into. Um, Celine Dion is like, I adore Celine and oh, she's just, so when dad and I used to uh, be driving around the car together, we always had, like I don't remember when the CD player in dad's car like used to be in the boot so you'd have to put the CDs into like the slots and we like one I think dad had one with like 10 CDs so it was like a big deal so we'd have to memorize which like where each one was so I think my dad definitely inspired a lot of that music so Frank Sinatra M People Celine Dion um, and we'd be blaring them in the car so I love a bit of Celine I love big ballads and like yeah, I, yeah. sometimes I just go to ballads and I just absolutely adore them um, and then yeah, I think and Barry White as well is one of my favorites. I just sometimes love blasting them on and turn them up full volume and just lost in the music. Have you ever gone to one of uh, Celine Dion's concerts now or anything like that? Have you had a chance? So back in the 90s, my aunt had tickets and she's like, I'm bringing you because she goes, I know you're a massive fan. And I was definitely only in national school. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she went to the <laughs> Point Depot at the time. And I can't remember what happened, but she ended up canceling her entire world tour devastated so then I remember she's played in Vegas and I was like I have to go to Vegas to see Celine but I've just I've missed her every time so now that she's kind of like back out there again my plan is to get to a Celine Dion gig 
and you know what? I'll, I'll travel if I have to like I'll go abroad I don't mind I just I'm dying to see her live I've never seen her live I've seen her like you know when she does those in concerts and they're like shown on TV they kind of do like the live concert maybe from I think there's one in Albert Hall maybe a couple of years ago and I've seen that and like I've watched that in my television and I'm like oh, I need to see her live I just mm-hmm. think she's amazing like, and I, 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 as I said I can't sing but like when I'm on my own and she's playing I'm trying to scream out the words <laughs> But yeah, I, I, do you I, ever reenact the Titanic scene <laughs> when nobody's home? <laughs> my mom used, used to have this silk, yeah, mom used to have this like silk handmade ball gown from even before that time. And I, I'm telling you, it was like that dress and that scene, you know, the dress that Celine wore in the music video. She wore this satin cream dress. Yeah. And I remember when, when nobody was home, I used to put the dress on and like dance around the room in it. And it's funny, that dress was definitely in the house that we currently live in because we've moved a few times. And I've asked mum again and again and she just can't find it. And it was like 100% silk and it was like proper Celine Dion. And it was also kind of like the one she wore. Do you know um, the... I can't, I'm trying to think of the lyrics now, but it's the one where she's in the house with the guy and she's running through and she's like, there was nights when the wind was so cold. That dress, it looked like that too. If you look it up, you'll remember it. She's yeah, like, kind of like a nighty type of thing in a way, like a long... Yeah, 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 yeah. You've answered for that now, like that would be so stylish. Or like, I feel like that at a music festival with a pair of wellies and like a trench coat would be unreal. (laughs) Bit of a belt or something, and away you go. I tell you, it's coming back. It's all coming back. I know who Megan's going to be in her next life, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but if Celine on, I suppose, is your guilty pleasure music, would you have interest? Would you have a guilty pleasures maybe? I don't know, series or Netflix series or TV or is there any kind of thing you watch that you're like, God, I don't know, this is... Do you know what comes to Netflix? I love real life crime documentaries. I am like, oh my God, I just... And I'm like, they're like, the like they're, I watch them. They're like, they're kind of scary, but I, I just love a good real life documentary. And I just find, like I watched that one recently on Netflix about the, the American kind of, um, she was like a Facebook blogger, YouTuber woman. Do you remember the husband and the two kids? And really grim and dark I love like it was the family next door or something but I love like a good real life true story crime especially the American ones because they're so dramatic and I just are the and I love English ones too because I love the I love the English accent I I love a good accent so I think yeah anything for true crime I'm like love and adore and I'm like get sucked into them and I do I grew up like I think I was probably one of the first Kardashian fans in Ireland I was obsessed (laughs) with them I always be like what what are they and my stepdad Andrew would be like what what are those onesies always she's always watching on the tv and I remember then my first time going to New York I went to the Dash store I remember traveling over at the time with my ex-boyfriend I was like we have to go to Dash and he was like what's Dash and I was like the Kardashian store and he was like what so we went to Dash and I bought like a ridiculous coat I won't even say the price of it and I still have it <laughs> love it I suppose in terms of I mean we're talking about Netflix do you have a guilty pleasure food or food combinations that you'd you know have by your side when you're getting down and watching a bit of Netflix now or maybe after a night out yeah I'm a re oh supermax supermax chicken breast sandwich meal and taco fries or else curry cheese fries and it always has to be large and it's like supermax is my thing and everyone always laughs and I love people it's like the sting and then I try like I live in town so I always like trot home then with my like bag full of food and like I've been known to buy two meals for myself as well I've done that quite a few times and um go home then and then what I do is I get in 
cha- put, leave my food on the table, run in, put on my pajamas, put on my fluffy socks, put my house coat on, then go out and like open up all the food on the table and eat it. Um, and I know sometimes people are like, oh, you hardly eat that much Supermax. But funny story, I went to my accountant during the year and gave him all my receipts and that was grand. And he's like, okay, I need to call over to you. And like, we need to go through things. I was like, okay, fine. So I walked in and he was like, eat a lot of Supermax, don't you? And I went, yeah. And he was like, Megan, he's like, literally, he's like, all the Supermax receipts. He was like, like, really? And I was like, he's like, you don't, you, I, I just can't believe you eat that much Supermax. And I was like, no, I do. And he was like, it's honestly, it's what you eat the most. He's like, out of all your receipts, Supermax is the highest. And he's like, and after that, it's somewhere. And then he was like, um, it's house. What is house? And I was like, um, well, I was like, technically it's a restaurant. Um, and he was like, said, well, not by the time that you're there. He's like, what restaurant serves until like half two in the morning? I was like, yeah, well, I, um, it kind of turns into- You're just like, supporting a local business. That's it. Exactly. You have to. So, yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah. so it's Supermax Steffi that's You're doing it as a service. I mean, the fact that you have the two Supermax meals, like that's not even the biggest shocker to me. The biggest shocker to me is the fact that you have the the self-discipline to wait till you get home and spread it out. (laughs) I think that's the biggest shocker to me because I just be there munching away while I'm on my way home. By the time I get home, it'd be all gone. Half it on the floor, I'd say. I love, I just love being in my comfies and like, I suppose as well, because don't forget like a dress or like, I don't know something high waisted it's kind of uncomfortable so I'm like yeah, I just want to yeah. be super comfortable and I sit and like I've been no like my friends have come in or my housemates and have seen me like at the table with food and they're like she's eating don't disturb her I'm literally like an animal in the wild like, <laughs> don't, don't don't go near me and there's one time my friend came back and then she was like oh is that and she's like oh no that's all yours but then sometimes I get like really like I'm gonna buy everyone food and then I do that so there's been times where I bought yeah. like four and five meals and I've come back to the apartment mm-hmm. and there's one night I think we must have had people staying over and I like I went back and I I lay out all the burgers and chips around the table and I like was so excited and then everyone came back and I think everyone was like nobody's really in the mood for eating and everyone's wrecked and going to bed I think they'd probably had eaten and I was like there with all this food and I think the next day there was like just supermax everywhere and everyone was like I was like yeah I bought everyone food and everyone was like oh okay but you know what you can still eat that in the morning after like I think I still taste fine. <gasps> yeah, you wouldn't eat cold cool. chips would you? I have, yeah. Like, they're not the nicest, oh, which I have. No. <laughs> yeah. I suppose the taco, the taco sauce kind of covers yeah. it up a bit. But, exactly. Um, on yeah. That's one of those foods I just couldn't garlic, eat cold. <laughs> no, chips. They just go hard. I can't. I can't do it. They're a bit soggy when they're it's cold. It's funny when... <laughs> soggy, yeah. It was funny. Maxine was saying there, she was going to say um, the biggest surprise. And I thought she was going to say the fact that you called a dressing gown a house coat that's what I thought you were going to say oh, Maxine yeah <laughs> I get it. Was shocked. that's probably the biggest revelation of this interview now to be honest it's so funny so people tag me in posts on social media that where people say house coat and they're like there's all these memes about people who say house coats they're like this that and the other and like I love when people like people tag me in them and I'm like yeah I don't know I've always called it a house coat and it is and I think it's because it means that's that so funny. I, yeah I think then I can get away with wearing it 24-7 because it's a house coat not a dressing gown so like that's my theory so it's like it's an indoor coat so it's it's fine it sounds more luxurious or something it could be the exact same thing but I'm just yeah I was about I'm just to stepped say into Connemara. the house now I'm in my house coat yeah, yeah. maybe Connemara hmm. far from a house coat you were you might have me converted you might have me converted <laughs> no you actually might have me converted because like I just live I live in my house coat no. if I'm at home as soon as I get home house coat comes on 
<laughs> or acceptable to call it if you wear it call it a house coat you can wear it all the time it doesn't make a difference like I brought the bins out and I'm like in my house coat and I see my neighbours I'm like hey so my poor neighbours in my apartment block have seen me done up to the nines they've seen me on nights out they've seen me in the like coming from the gym they've seen me in my house coat and like sometimes I forget that the apartment block isn't my house so sometimes I kind of like go into the lift and I'm like going down to collect takeaway and I'm like ah sure it's like might as well be this. like sold one like and then I'm like oh then sometimes I meet people in the lift and I can see them looking at my I have the most awful pajama bottoms they're beavis and butthead they're <laughs> a men's extra large and i've had them for years i got them when i actually worked at mtv there was someone was clearing out the, the merch or uh, the merchandise um closet and they were there and i said i'll have them and i was like i'm actually growing up as a kid i was afraid of beavis and butthead because i think they're really scary looking but these are the comfiest and ugliest thing i own whatever and I, all my friends and a, a lot of people have threatened to burn them so i wear them around like going down to collect my takeaway and then i can see people looking at them but it's funny then because on instagram people think that i'm a huge beavis and butthead fan and i'm absolutely not like i'm i i actually was so afraid of that cartoon growing up but they are I, like they're probably i don't actually have them on which is surprising <laughs> they're somewhere but like i like someday someone's gonna burn them on me and I'm, I'm devastated I'll be devastated but I just I'm so attached to them so it's just like uh, yeah they're they're definitely a guilty pleasure because they are like yeah they shouldn't be seen in public but they are definitely and you wouldn't be able to replace them now they're like uh they're kind of priceless in a way aren't they yeah but they're like they're yeah they're just they're the most awful things like oh like yeah you'll see though my story at some stage they're terrible but um I just they're just so like fleeced and, and large and comfy and baggy and just they're really good for lounging in because sometimes you just a pajama bottoms I find the, the women's ones their waistband can sometimes just be a little bit too tight or a little bit uncomfortable and you kind of want mm. something that's that's loose and like you know that you can eat all your soup max and not care yeah. <laughs> yeah. all two they of your meals I think they're just providing you such comfort because they're just and then sometimes I have my fluffy socks on I like tuck my fluffy socks over the bottom of them to like mm. really tuck them in like it's awful like but it's just yeah they're they're the like my, even my mother's like, you need to get rid of them. And I'm like, until I find a replacement, I'm not, I can't. are here to stay, yeah. Actually. Okay, that's all our questions. But we, are, we might just do another, um, or a quick fire round. Oh. That makes no sense. A quick fire round before we leave. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I've forgotten my words. Um, okay, so the first one is, who would win in a fight, Bella or Baba? I'm going to say Baba because cats, see cats are sneaky and cats have that like, that right hook or, you know they're just they're str- like they have that like kind of sneakiness whereas Bella is a sheepdog and she's too much kind of like oh let's play and have fun and then Baba's like whoo whack and then Bella's like okay so Baba would win all the time okay morning person or night owl night owl absolutely the fact that I presented a breakfast show for three years I still can't even understand because I hate the mornings and I I'm so bad at getting up in the morning and when it comes to anything that's before nine o'clock I'm like oh no so yeah night owl all the way Okay, and last time you told a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Is this really bad when I get asked out? Oh, when people ask me out on social media, like when guys ask me if I want to go on a date or if I like want to hang out or whatever, I always say I'm in a relationship. I'm like, sorry, I'm seeing someone. I just don't put him on social media because I don't. He doesn't like social media. I think it's like it's the nicest way to go about it. Imagine you're like, no, I just think you're wrong. I just go. Sorry, I'm actually seeing someone, but he he just he doesn't like social media, so I don't share him. So I think some people on Instagram yeah. think I'm in this long term relationship that I keep secret, and other people are like, she's single. Yeah, yeah, the adult version of I met someone on holiday or something. I shifted someone on holiday. You know? <laughs> no, it's, it's so bad. I'm like, I feel really guilty every time I do it because I'm like, I'm actually telling a lie, and I know now for those that listen to this, they're going to be like, 
she told me that she's seen someone. <laughs> you're outing yourself. You're outing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so last one then. Social media or real life? Oh, real life. Always real life. I have to say, and that's the one thing I've noticed with this whole COVID is what a sociable person I am. Like I'm in my 30s now and I love going out every weekend and I love going out during the week because I just love talking to strangers and love talking to people in the bathroom and love chatting to people at the bar and love chatting to the staff and like I just love talking to real life people and I just find social media is is it's fine and do you know what there's there's like I've like gotten to know so many people through social media like I know we got connected through social media as well so it's like it's an amazing tool and it's such a great support and I think especially now it is really great to connect with people but I just love real I love talking to people I just I yeah well that's all the questions thank you so much uh, for your time today Megan and for coming on our podcast you've been great you've had the best stories for anyone that I mean I'm sure everyone already knows who you are but for anyone that doesn't uh, where can they follow you where can they find out about your um, new book that's coming out as well so I'm on Instagram Facebook Twitter and um, what else have I missed there? Yeah, they're the main ones. So it's Megan Scully, M-E-G-H-A-N-N-S-C-U-L-L-Y. I think um, the, the spelling's spelled obviously a little bit different, but yeah, if you search Megan Scully and on them, I'm on LinkedIn as well for anyone who's into the old LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be revealing the front cover of my second book, Little Pocket Love, very soon and um, releasing details of the launch and where people can purchase it. So yeah, that's, that's really, you'll find me on pretty much everything. I think I'm on TikTok too, but I don't use it. So you might, there might be an account there that's very <laughs> quiet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on, uh, as it all, M-E-G-H-A-N-N. Super. Okay. Thank you so much, Megan. It's great. Maxine and Katie, thank you. No, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it now. So thank you for having me on. And yeah, sure. Look, hopefully now everyone's going to know my deep, dark secrets about pretending I'm in a relationship. That wraps up another episode of the Guilty Pleasures podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we just want to say a big thanks to everyone who's been giving us feedback so far. We really do love hearing from you. We're going to take a quick break now for the Christmas period and we'll be back again with more fun episodes and great guests in the new year. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at the Guilty Pleasures podcast or on Twitter at the Guilty P-L-E-A-S 2. That's the number two. But that's it from us for now. Have a happy Christmas.